0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the everyday soulmate. And this conversation took place between me and Lady Holder when we were talking about her of trade. When she said soulmates mean magic to her. And that's why she originally had gravitated towards the Harry Potter fandom. And I was like, well, it doesn't have to be magic. And so I talked her around and... She uh, she's going to do her, her OTP. She's going to OG on us. So that should be fun. Um, but the other side is, is I, I got to thinking about it and I got to wondering is it if everybody believes that it must be some kind of magical thing that you have to write a soulmate mark or you have to write um, some kind of magical connection or some otherworldly paranormal thing. And you don't. I think it's where everybody, like, gravitates to. But the, uh, but for me, like, my OTP forever and ever and ever is McKay and Shepard. Um, and I think they're soulmates, whether there's any magic involved or not. And for me, that's what an OTP is, you know. I think Kirk and Spock are soulmates. No magic required. That's not magic. That's a belief system. Um... The belief that, you know, this is this, this is my, this is my everything. Um, That's just belief. That's just faith in somebody else. And so I was thinking about what it means to be, you know, somebody else's soulmate um, and not about being someone's, you know, sharing a soul or having that, um, that mirror effect of soulmates. Just, 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 yeah, this is, you're my person. Um, and it really, it was, it's been on my mind because I've been reading a lot of nine-one-one um, fan fiction, um, and, uh, Eddie and Buck, of course, are the most popular pairing in that, in that, um, fandom for, um, for very good reasons, for obvious reasons. They have great chemistry. Um, I find that chemistry more um, evident in fan fiction than I do on the show, but that's just me, um. But you need somebody else's perspective, and, and that's what fandom gives you to to see something. And then once I saw it, I was like, Oh, okay. And then I went back and the episode, I was like, Oh, okay, it's there, it's there. I just wasn't, I don't know, honestly, because that one would have made me cry so much. I think I was just so emotionally overwrought by, by what they kept <laughs> doing to everybody that I couldn't concentrate on the characters. You're like, Why are you doing this to all these people? They're so nice why are you um, so mean and the funny thing is they
1: there's the there's the episode um they apparently make a lot of the it, it's a little bit i'm not sure if this is actually it may wind up being this is a little queer baby but it's really came to the show producers and the writers attention that the fans were really getting deeply invested in the two of them because of the chemistry and i don't think they'd realize that the two those two actors were going to have the chemistry they had on screen but you remember that el- that 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 holiday episode where the elf came up to buck and said that um you two have a lovely son yeah yeah so they did an interview with i think the producer and that that was brought up and that buck didn't deny it and he said that that, the whole thing that was intended to be like a little bit of a the elf was representing fandom (laughs) that elf was intended to be the voice of fandom and then he said and then at that very moment the the fountain in the background erupted he said you know make of that what you will <laughs> i was like oh, god <laughs> okay little that's a little tongue-in-cheek <laughs> a little but-, but they do but they do keep bringing in um um the voice of fandom because also in that episode with the girl with the face grub um, the little chat, you see the the, the chat feed from the, mm-hmm. the her live stream and the people chatting, oh, those two are so cute. Oh, who are those firefighters? They should be a couple. The voice they put the voice of fandom on the chat stream in that episode too. So yeah, yeah.
0: I don't, need a, I don't need a flashback of that part. Oh my God. That was almost <laughs> as horrifying as anything else I'd seen on the show, including the tapeworm, right. Right. So, so, but
1: that episode, they, cause they do care, they do occasionally they have these moments where they can, they're doing what they call bringing fandom in as the voice through, through characters, other characters, you know, third parties on the show. Um, but yeah, I don't mind rewatching the elf episode. I do mind rewatching the, the bot fly episode. So <sighs> it's okay. It was, it's just horrifying. Anyway, um, I'm the one that
0: brought it up. It's on me. Um, I mean but, I love the idea of the of the, of the mystical connection and a magical connection. Obviously I've I've written it several times. But um I wouldn't want anybody to think that because they if they don't like that or they're not comfortable with it that um they can't participate in rough trade. You know? Because this particular challenge isn't it, it doesn't have to be paranormal.
1: Yeah, it could just be, you know, they seem like And don't confuse the title Faded with you know, the a theme of the challenge, which is just soulmates,
0: because sometimes you know you can meet somebody and it feels like destiny. Yeah, and also what I also like to say is that um a soulmate doesn't have to be a romantic partner. It's how I would write it, but it's not required. Um, and so you know, it was just like it just kind of struck me when she said that you know that, that to her soulmates meant magic. And I was like, does it really? Not to her specifically, but it's like, is it, I mean, is it, is it, is that the requirement? And the answer is no, it's, it's, it's not a requirement. Um, and I, um, I firmly believe that we have, you know, a lot of soulmates throughout our life and it doesn't have to be some mystical thing. It's just, sometimes you meet the right person at the right moment and they, they give you something back that you didn't even know you were missing. And maybe they move on after they give it, and it's fine. It might hurt a little bit, but then you get over it, and you move on, pick yourself up, knock those feelings off. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be mystic. It doesn't have to be some mystical thing, some gift from on high, or some. Um, well, no, Bry, it's not. We're gonna get this boy some therapy, <laughs> like all the therapy. Did I lose you, Jillian? I didn't realize I was muted. Oh!
1: <laughs> I was just about. I was. I was sitting here, just bemoaning Bry's need to feel heartbroken. Um. I mean, somebody said to me once that the only good thing about heartbreak was knowing that they'd loved somebody that intensely that they could feel that wretched. But uh, I, I have a hard time when I'm feeling heartbroken having that kind of perspective.
0: When what? I wrote *Revenant*, um. John talks about what he's learned since he's become an anchor and how, um, that basically the human spirit, uh, is the stuff of the universe. And that when you die, some people have the option to continue as a revenant or to go back to have their energy, their soul energy, um, merged back with the universe. And, um, so that's not magical. That's um, metaphysical, maybe. Maybe. Yeah,
1: I'd say metaphysical.
0: Uh, but yeah, so, you know, it's just been kind of like on my mind. Oh, thank you. Um, I don't, don't let me get on that soapbox about Revenant. <laughs> okay. Don't go there. <laughs> but I do like the idea of, of meeting someone. Um, who, no, oh no, honey, it's not your fault, I'm the one that brought it up, um, but I ha- I do have a soapbox about it, a big giant one that I might help getting down off of, um, it's, uh, there, there's something, you know, really special about meeting someone who, who, who gives something to you um, on some deeper level, some non-materialistic level, that, that changes you, and offers you a different perspective, and it's just, it's just really interesting. <laughs> but it would be a giant soapbox, taller than me. Um, we won't get on the soapbox. No, don't 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 encourage her. But what I was thinking to myself just now is that Bry probably has no idea what the soapbox reference means.
1: Okay, he knows he knows what a soapbox is. Okay.
0: Okay. Did you have to Google it? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, you got a parent Teaching you all the stuff you need to know. Um it's just I don't know. I was just thinking about it. Um
1: yeah. Soapbox is a term that is older than anybody on this podcast right now, but um it is pretty ubiquitous in 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 uh, cultural, especially uh, at least a- a- American idioms. I'm not sure how far the how the pervasive that is outside of <sighs> 20s 20s i actually think
0: it would go further back than that but maybe 20s but now you don't gotta stand on a corner you can get on the internet <laughs> which may or may not be a good thing depending um but it, you know so i've just been thinking about the kind the, the of the soulmates and how um and, and how it's perceived and um and how really really um i kind of always write soulmates Yeah, that would make a difference coming from a country, you know, that doesn't speak English. Um, Wow. See, people have been having a lot to say for a long time. It probably is actually older than that. It's just the first time that particular phrase got coined. I mean, but I imagine since the dawn of time, somebody has been standing somewhere bitching about all the shit people are and are not doing. yeah, getting and up on I told on... you Stephen, that when you skin a mammoth, you're supposed to save everything. and now because you didn't save the brain, we can't cure the hide. <laughs> and we're gonna have to collect urine for six months. <laughs> or something like that.
1: <laughs> so yeah, typically it's not it's about it's about when we climb up on a soapbox is because we're about to have a a, a rant, a rant. We have something we have something to rant about. Um
0: yeah, Gino, you you're man. <laughs> if you ever get stuck in the wilderness by yourself, all you need a copy of Mammoth Hunter's, you'll be fine. <laughs> so, um
1: I agree. I mean, I, there are some characters that I just and I think that people sometimes see that. That's why sometimes you get a really dominant ship in a certain fandom like that really really far and away outstrips anything else it's because people look at it and they go oh yeah like honestly Sherlock and John particularly in the BBC Sherlock yeah um, you go oh yeah um, although I could buy that in elementary that Sherlock in um, in um, Sherlock and Joan in element in elementary were platonic soulmates I don't think there's anything remotely romantic about their relationship but I can yeah, get behind it yeah. Platonic soulmates for them. Um, I actually never really got the the soulmate vibe from Danny and and Steve. I know a lot of people did, um, but it never quite got there for me. But I certainly recognize other people saw it because of how it took off.
0: Uh, I really enjoyed the pairing until El Cheeto. <laughs> well, Danny different kind of um, different kind of Cheeto. Um, you know, I had someone tell me once that um, that when it comes to adultery only the person who's married should feel guilty. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Now, it is one thing if the other part of the affair doesn't know they're mar- that, um that they're is married, but if they know their partner is married and they're still banging them, they're both equally disgusting in my mind anyway.
1: Yeah, well, um I think actually I, I don't think they're equally disgusting. I think it's still a problem, but I mean the person who is the person who took vows is the problem. It it actually isn't any to me any third party's um obligation to uphold anybody else's marriage vows. Uh I personally would never sleep knowingly sleep with a married person. Um and I would I would um question somebody's uh ethics if they were willing to sleep with married people. But
0: I don't think it's. I don't. I don't think it's the same
1: level of offense. Uh, I do. Just don't. I mean, I'm not the person who made vows and is breaking them. That is not the same as the person that they're banging. It's just. I just don't see how it's remotely the same thing. But that's just my opinion. I mean, people. People can look at that kind of thing differently.
0: One of the best things I ever read about an open relationship. I don't know if it's true or not, but it amused the shit out of me. So this dude. Tells his wife he wants an open marriage, and she fights it because she doesn't want one. But finally, after him berating her for months and months and months about wanting this open relationship, he agrees. She agrees, and they start having this open relationship. And of course, she you know she gets some dates pretty much immediately on these dating apps, right? So he's sent a letter to I don't know one of the agony ants. I forget which one. And I'm reading this and he's he's complaining because his wife is going out two or three times a week on dates and is taking at least one lover. And he hasn't had one date and he wants to know how he can (laughs) close the door on this so-called open marriage. Because what he expected to happen was that he would get laid a lot and not feel guilty about it and his wife would stay home. It's like he forgot his wife was hot. Wow. Now, I, I don't know if this letter was true or not but it, I, I laughed my ass off reading it and she was like the agony aunt was like well I don't think you could not ring this bell <laughs> this was your idea dude
1: and actually if you try to
0: ring the bell she might divorce you so um I, I do think that open relationships, open marriages, and relationships can be um, a healthy solution if you're not into monogamy, as long as there's a lot of communication and you're both equally on board with it, and one partner hasn't been um, emotionally manipulated into participating in this when they really didn't want to. So, as long as it's all open and honest and um, emotionally healthy, I don't see a problem with it.
1: No, I don't have a problem with open relationships. I do
0: wish that his wife had written in and told us whether or not that he, she divorced him or not.
1: <laughs> I do think somebody being bullied into an emotion an, an open relationship is a problem because that yeah. feels, you know.
0: It's like some kind of weird version of gaslighting. I'm like, like well, of course you want yeah. this. I want I mean, it, well, so you want it.
1: A lot of times I have heard of situations where somebody is, um, like, you know, what you said um exactly where someone's sort of pressured into an open relationship like if you want us to stay married this has this has to be the way this 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 has to be um I'm the, I'm, but i mean I'm every but the thing is it it no one's inside anybody else's relationship dynamics right so you never know um you never know how what's really going on so for instance i knew this couple a long time ago and if you asked if you listen to one side of the conversation you, what you would hear is that they were in an open relationship, but it was never what she wanted, but she did it to preserve their marriage and blah, 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 blah. So it would sound like she was kind of coerced into this open relationship. But the more balanced um, perspective was that, and this was her to, her right to make this decision, she decided she had wanted to not ever have sex again and her partner wanted to end the relationship because her partner was not prepared for a life of celibacy and they'd been together for a decade at that point and she was like i'm not prepared to make that trade-off of a, a sexless life i'm i'm not i'm I, she's like, I'm just not i'm not prepared to do that that's not a trade-off i can make for our marriage and the compromise was that you know she would seek um, not not emotionally intimate relationships, but sexual gratification outside of the relationship, and that they would have emotional intimacy inside the relationship, and that was the compromise that they both agreed to. But partner, their other partner would still tell people that she's not happy with the open relationship, but she agreed to it to save their marriage, which sort of true. But but not completely honest. But not completely honest. And ten, and the thing is, I mean, it's, it's 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 no, I don't think anybody's like wrong in that situation because I mean, like you're ten years into a marriage and one partner decides they don't want to have sex again. And they've basically been sexless at that point for about two or three years, I think. And the other partner is massively sexually frustrated and is like incredibly, has been incredibly sexually active their entire life and is not prepared to make that trade off and says, okay, then we need to, if this is really what you want, I don't want to be pressuring you to have sex. That's not me. So I think that we should, you know, put a pin in this and figure out how we're going to move on. And, you know, do do we split up? you know, what do we do? And she didn't want to lose, you know, her partner. So she said, well, why don't you seek just sex elsewhere? And that's what they did. And that's to my knowledge what they're still doing.
0: But then she complained about it and acted like it was a problem and she'd been braided into it, which is, which was
1: disingenuous and unfair, but she does resent that her partner is getting sexual gratification outside of their relationship. What she wants unfairly is for her partner to be willing to just masturbate for the rest of eternity alone, alone (laughs) because she actually doesn't want anything to do with her partner's orgasm. So I, I, (sighs) <sighs> it's, and the thing is, I mean, he, she's not wrong for not wanting sex.
0: No, but she's massively selfish for what she's trying to inflict on her partner.
1: Right. That's what my point is. When you hear these stories about open relationships, you got to remember, you're usually only hearing one person's side. And even if you're hearing both person's side, you still not may not be hearing the truth about what's really going on. So... Mm. I mean it's not a difficult situation it's not a difficult it's not a difficult not, th- 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 wrong word Ooh, it's yeah. not an easy situation <laughs> it's not an easy situation to be you know 8 years into a marriage and decide hey I'm just not I'm just not down for sex and it's like but you've got a partner who is is has like yeah but I'm not ready to give up sex well what do you do and the thing is that passively happens in relationships all the time or they sex just goes away and people don't talk about it. And then there's just frustration. And it leaves you know, it becomes a source of the, one of the reasons why it leaves the divorce. They did eventually talk about it and they came up with a solution. But um, I heard about, I found out about this because I had heard the, you know, she had this open relationship, but she wasn't happy about it. And then I found out the more, the more of the whole story. And I did tell her, I said, you know, you're kind of misrepresenting what's really going on in your relationship. Yes. You I just don't like it. I'm like, well, th- then get a divorce. I said. Then you need to. I saw. I saw so you then need to get a, just get a divorce, or you need to get some therapy about your inability to accept the situation. Sex goes. Um, oh, bri.
0: bri. Bri. You, 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 literal sweet summer child. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I had the wrong one. <laughs> Not her butter. I mean. Relationships change and grow, right? And sometimes um, there are points in your relationship where if you're stressed out and they're stressed out or you're arguing about money or, you know, one of you is, you know, one gets sick and then the other one gets sick and then you spend six months exchanging a cold and don't touch me. (laughs) And there comes a point when you're, you know, like, in my 20s, I was like, hey, you want to come take a shower with me? In my 30s, I was like, dude, don't get in the shower. (laughs) This is my private time. (laughs) So there is, like, you know. (laughs) I mean,
1: when this... When this when this happens to couples, especially if there's an imbalance where one couple is one half of the couple is remaining very sexually interested and wanting to be sexually active, and the other side, particularly if it goes on for a long period of time, is not wanting to have sex at all, that has to be worked out. And one of the ways that can be worked out is through an open relationship. Some people just get divorced. Some people just deal with it. Um, but you know. Communication is key. If you just sit on it and you just let resentment fester, it will be divorce. (laughs) Okay, Bravi or murder. (laughs) Plausible deniability on this podcast. We should just like subtitle all the podcasts, plausible deniability. We do escalate quick around here sometimes. Um, So everyday soulmates. I like, I think that there are, um, what'd they say? I look glanced away for a second. Right. (laughs)
0: <laughs> we provide that's not a service you should be advertising reaper um <laughs> i i don't know i like the idea of just like the everyday soulmate you know just like you meet somebody and they're like they're perfect for you yeah that's why one of the, I one of the ideas perfect. they're perfect for you for you
1: yeah and even if they're not perfect for every I mean, if they even if they squeeze the toothpaste wrong it ceases to matter because They're perfect for you, um. You know
0: they would have to be pretty damn perfect for me to be okay with the toothpaste thing. Like, "Mm."
1: I mean, squeezing the toothpaste tube in the middle is just really—that's just not cricket.
0: I mean, you could get—I'll get get you one of those little thingies so you push it down. One of those little devices. Yeah, I, I use one of those. Yeah, I've never understood that whole people
1: who squeeze the toothpaste tube in the middle. I mean, like, why? But, um. That's why one of the ideas that I really like the idea I like the most for like the soulmate ideas I have, but I couldn't get 30k out of this, I didn't think, was um, the idea of just you eventually, like you build the bond happens first, you just get so close to somebody that eventually your soul marks appear. It's because you just were already there. It's not the soul mark doesn't come first, the soul mark comes last. And like one day you're just so in tune with somebody that you have a soul mark but i I think that anytime we see a big ship emerge in a fandom, that it is people are seeing um they're seeing that everyday soulmate vibe kind of thing if you want to call it that uh and i think when it when in um like even in supernatural with dean and castiel it was more of a i because it could have been castiel and sam right but it wasn't right And then we have, certainly have John Rodney, who was who was a big OG ship for a while. I mean, I remember when there were the votes, the vote-offs going about, you know, what's the biggest ship? Was it John Rodney? Was it Slash Ship? Was it John Rodney? Was it Sherlock John? Was it um Dean Castiel? Was like this was and there's some bigger ships that have emerged since then. But and John Rodney really took it for took it for a run. And they were actually a smaller ship comparatively. Um I want to say John Sherlock won that—the one I'm thinking of—but I don't know. Derek Stiles, of course, uh, people really latched on to their chemistry on screen. But the funny thing is, they didn't have as much on-screen time as most of the everyday soulmate ships that I see. And when I—and I see it—but it's in such small amounts that it's—it's it's amazing how fandom latched onto it. It was very physical, yeah. Derek was very physical with Stiles.
0: Well, what we also do see in big fandoms like that is that, you know, if the powers that be don't like the way fandom is responding to, they will often keep characters apart on screen or create antagonistic um, relationships between them. I think that's what happened. um, It happened on SG-1. I think it happened in NCIS. Uh, It happened on Teen Wolf.
1: I'm wondering if they're doing it on 911. If you don't want spoilers for the most recent episode, put your fingers in your ears for about a minute. I mean it. So in the most recent episode, now Eddie and Buck are both sort of dating. Um, And I feel like that because they got Eddie a girlfriend, that's like they felt like they had to get Buck a girlfriend. And it's kind of, I was like a little bit weird about it at first. I'm like, oh, come on. Eddie's got a girlfriend. Are you going to get Buck a girlfriend? Especially a backsliding girlfriend. He's with Taylor.
0: Oh, no. Her? Oh, Oh. yeah.
1: Yeah. But also, also, you remember that story where... um, I, I, I was despairing. But remember that story where where um, Christopher steals his grandmother's phone and takes an Uber to Bucks because he's unhappy? Yes. Well, in this story, in, in canon, Christopher steals his father's phone and takes an Uber to Bucks because he's unhappy with his father's girlfriend.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> in the so- story, Eddie leaves him at home with his parents. And his parents don't want him talking about Buck. And he keeps saying it. And his grandfather or his grandmother, I forget which one, says if he says it again, he'll get punished. And this kid looks them right in the eye and says, Buck. And they send him (laughs) to his room, right? And so he steals his grandma's phone and calls an Uber. Or like gets an Uber and talks the Uber guy into taking him to Buck's house. And what's really interesting about this particular story is that the moment Buck realizes he's got Eddie's kid, he calls Eddie. Says, hey, did you know that your kid took an Uber to my house? And it's been 30 minutes or so since this kid has left the house, and his and Buck's parents still haven't called him. And when Eddie gets home hours later, his parents still have not told him they have lost their kid. And they lie to him to his
1: face and tell him that, that Buck is out. I mean, that, that uh, Christopher's out with his grandfather
0: at first, and then that's not true. Um, and the story is called. Can't stay away by soft Satan. And take that shit seriously. She named herself very well. Soft underscore Satan, if you're looking um it up
1: on by, te- I agree. by Googling. Yeah. Um, but in canon, um Eddie's frantically looking for Christopher when his phone rings and it's Buck saying, um Eddie says something like Christopher and Buck says, Yeah, he's here. He took an Uber to my place so it's it just it just so struck me because it mimicked that whole christopher steals
0: someone's phone and took an uber to bucks but it was really um you know so Are we did dating that anna flores in canon right
1: yeah yeah okay. um but unfortunately unfortunately we didn't the the thing that the thing that did bother me is I do feel like they're trying to keep Eddie and Buck apart on screen. That felt like what they were trying to do in this episode, is keep them apart, um, because the reasonable thing would have been to show the follow-up to that scene where Eddie picks up Christopher, but they didn't. They cut it before them.
0: But I I don't know. I, I do like the concept of just these, these two characters that were just made for each other. And there's no there's there's no magical element. There's no there's no fate involved, there's no artifact. It's just here they are two regular average human beings who found each other to make life better. I mean, how fun is that?
1: I think it's great.
0: If you are experiencing connection problems, it's it's usually best just to disconnect and reconnect. Um <clears throat> But uh yeah so I've just been noodling this um I don't even know what to do with that.
1: I'm disturbed.
0: <laughs> Look at her it's bringing Wait. reality to the situation. <laughs> <laughs> There's a question though, how would conjoined twins go to the bathroom? I mean the audience
1: we, no, we, we are not we are not going there. We are not going there. Y'all y'all <laughs>
0: Hmm. There, but the, I will say there, there comes a point in your relationship where boundaries just kind of disappear. And it's unfortunate. And one day you just don't even realize you've got all your boundaries. are And you're like, where the hell did my boundaries go? I mean, I will say some boundaries, but not
1: all boundaries. I mean, I was never, ever. I don't care how. I mean, de- we definitely, there's a point. I think the first significant boundary to go is the peeing in the bathroom with your spouse.
0: Right, yeah, or
1: whatever that goes quick, but shitting, <laughs> no, that I, I'm sorry, no,
0: <laughs> no, we don't even close our bathroom door at all, <laughs> dude. <laughs> just saying, we don't.
1: <laughs> I do think that I think I think the peeing boundary goes quick if you've got only one bathroom, honestly. It just so, although it all depends upon this your setup, um.
0: Yeah, I think the first time it happens is because your partner is in the shower and you've got to pee exactly. like, way. <laughs> exactly. I, I cannot wait. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, boundaries being what they are. But uh, and it's all individual. That's really, you know, just what I wanted to talk about. It's just, you know, OTPs and, um, you know, non- the that the no magic is required kind of thing with, with soulmates, because I think sometimes people get wrapped around the axle about what they should do and what they're allowed to do. And, you know, and they get really wrapped up in the, uh, the so-called rules that they put in their brain without actually asking any questions. Yeah. Hmm. What? Hmm. Oh, I like the app told me I had an unread, but then, the browser did not. Oh, I see. Okay. I have um, notifications muted on the browser, but I don't have them muted in my app. You think that would cross over, right? No, it doesn't. <laughs> the app does not remember anything that you tell it. Now, I am writing Magical Soulmates, obviously, for <laughs> for, <laughs> for April. Um, I'll be carrying that story all through the year. Uh, it's just, I don't know, it's just really interesting to think about, you know, all the possibilities and all the things that you could write versus what people people gravitate towards you know
1: yeah i mean i i certainly got really wrapped up in complicated world building this time but uh it there's nothing that says you have to go that direction and i certainly write my my otps if i have an otp um as the sort of meant for each other kind of vibe so the as you said the average ordinary everyday soulmate that may have not been what you said,
0: but I've got that song in my head, so I can't help it. That was originally actually the title, but then I changed it to Garden Variety because it amused me. I don't know why. I have no explanation for myself. Or you being kind on the earworm front? I'm, I doubt it. I never am. That's true. Sybil has already announced that she's been mean to her soulmates. I mean, I, I have to admit, actually, I was kind of unkind to mine as well.
1: Do you guys mean soulmates- I believe in happily ever after. I assume
0: you guys mean the soulmates in your stories, not
1: the people you're in relationships yeah. with.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, in my story, sure. Okay. okay. <laughs> my husband is fine. He's asleep. <laughs> I'm I'm serious. He's asleep. <laughs> Look, I had too much attitude problem to go to jail, and I know this about myself. <laughs> but I do. I do feel like sometimes people get kind of wrapped up in um, complicated world building and I do it too. I'm not immune to this. You know, I am am actually probably very susceptible to it because of zero drafting and just like, and because I do most of my, and then, and then, and then in the zero draft, I got kind of get it out of my system and then I'll edit my zero draft to get rid of all that crap, but it's there. It's always there. There's always this, you know, or well, what if I did this? What if I did this? Well, and I sometimes how nice can I put in one pick.
1: <laughs> a lot <laughs> <laughs> um, it turned out quite a bit. <laughs> sometimes, um, when it comes to um, a story that has complex world building, it's because I wanted something to happen, and really, the only way to get there was complicated. Um, yeah, like one of the things that. We talked, you know, I, I, I got Kira on the phone last night and I said, I have a conundrum. <laughs> I want, I want my cake and I want to eat it too. <laughs> <laughs> Damn Whoever, whoever wants cake and doesn't want to eat it. I don't even understand this dumbass expression. I mean, right. So I get Kira on the phone. I say, I want, I want Eddie and Buck to already know each other and be good friends before they are soulmates but I want to do this world building thing that implies that you kind of get your soul mark when and when you meet the person I said so I I, you know it, it, it normally would be one or the other right I had two different ideas one that was about being friends first and then you become a soulmate and the other idea was you meet your soulmate and then this big thing happens but I wanted to merge the two somehow and um I was like, I, th- I think I've got a way, but I need to be sure I'm thinking around the corners, and if it's not seem ridiculous. And then we spent, you know, some time talking out the the angles and the repercussions, ramifications of all of it. Um, but it made the world building a little bit more complicated, <laughs> a little bit, to achieve that to that to achieve that end. Um, and that's sometimes where my complexity comes from: is I want to do this very specific thing, but it's going to have to get complicated to make that very specific thing happen. How do I structure this world so that this specific scenario could reasonably occur? You have a bunch of significant others like deeply invested in the podcast tonight. That's actually cute that we're talking about a soulmate podcast and significant others are invested.
0: (laughs) Mine went to bed and told me, "Can can you not laugh a whole lot this time? Because last time you had a podcast, you giggled a lot. And I got really curious and couldn't sleep. I was like, it is not my fault that you got curious and couldn't sleep. I'm pretty sure it is. I mean, I'm not saying that his
1: curiosity is your burden. But, you know, if that man didn't love your giggles, he wouldn't have married you.
0: Right? <laughs> it's his own fault.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Although, he does find my sneezes appalling.
1: I mean, you sound like a chipmunk, as I recall. <laughs>
0: He said one day you're gonna hold that sneeze in and you're just gonna blow just gonna blow the top off your head. <laughs> but I don't hold anything in That's just how I sneeze. He said I sound like a little a, a little stuffed up mouse. <laughs> like, <"Chee!"> <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> but yeah. Mm, there's no there's no explaining that. I keep getting beeps. Where am I getting beeps? Oh,
1: Oh, I just—that may have been me. I put a, I put oh. a, I put a screenshot, um, in.
0: I see. In in place before I forgot to do it. Mm, 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 mm. <clears throat> I like the idea of a soul mark kind of building over time. That that's really interesting. It's more about what um, the work you put into it versus letting fate decide. Yeah, that
1: you know, and, and you could argue, you could say, well, and the thing is, nobody would know for sure. Is it, is it a combination of work and compatibility or is it just the work that makes the difference? I mean, I, I, there probably is an element of compatibility because some people just don't get on and they're never going to do the work. Um, like if you look at some of the 911 characters, I mean, there could be a really good reason why, like, Michael and Athena never formed a soul mark in that kind of scenario. Because Michael's withholding something really significant about himself from her. Um, so it's not that they didn't try at their marriage or not that she didn't do her best. It's that he wasn't being honest about sexuality. And that would in that kind of a dynamic, it would hinder soul bond from forming. And at some point in that in that kind of a soulmate system, eventually people would start to that could actually be the leading cause of divorce. I've been married to this asshole for 15 years and we still don't have a soul mark. <laughs> <laughs> Lack of soul mark after X amount of time could be the leading cause of divorce <laughs> or something. I mean, it just didn't happen, right? It's never happened for us. We just, and people could be moron. yeah, I spent 15 years with them and which just never happened for us. And they could be talking about soul marks, which is why it could be like really befuddling to people that Eddie and Buck aren't even together and they got their soul mark. They're like, you two aren't even dating. You're just like sitting there talking to each other on the couch and your soul marks bloom. That's disgusting.
0: I mean, also, it could actually be interesting um, if soulmate marks um, are only visible to your soulmate.
1: That'd be interesting.
0: And you're born with them. Like you can see your soulmate, and you can see you can see your own mark, and you can see your soulmate's mark, but no other marks, because it's really about the ability to see your soulmate, not just their mark, but to see them for who they are. Yeah, I like that idea.
1: Don't get don't don't get wrapped around the axle about the whole tattoo versus soul mark thing um that always comes up it, it comes up and every time we talk about you know soul marks is how do you tell it from a tattoo i you figured out in your world building how, how you could distinguish it from a tattoo
0: i mean if you're working under the assumption that tattoos would even exist in a world where soulmate marks have always existed it could actually be taboo tattoos might not even exist
1: Right, which you could do in your world building or not. I mean, if you've got, like, I mean, if you if you're working with an actor that's heavily tattooed and you don't want to change that, you don't wouldn't put that in your world building. I don't. I'm not. I, I don't follow what you mean by there'd be no intrigue if the, their tattoos were on their upper body. I mean, their soul marks were on their upper body. I don't. I don't get it.
0: I like the idea of visible soul marks, like on the neck or on the hand or on the the wrist. Um, but My I never put.
1: My favorite place for soul marks are on the back and the chest. Those are my favorite spots,
0: but I also like the hip. Um I like the back. I like the idea of the back. Um but for me, um, since I don't tend to write internal conflict or intrigue, as you said in the chat, um I, I don't see any reason to hide it. I prefer to write
1: oh. oh, oh you mean if their soul marks are visible from birth. I don't usually write that. I don't I don't usually write that trope. Okay, I get what you're saying now. Um, somebody was talking about there'd be no intrigue if the soul marks were on their upper body because they have to take their shirts off a lot. Um, but honestly, they take all their clothes off a lot because of the situations they get into. They have to shower a lot. But anyway, I, sorry, I wasn't following what you're saying. I, that The soul mark being like present from birth is a very specific trope and not one that I usually write.
0: But again, I don't know if I would want to write a world where you know hiding your soulmate mark is the thing to do. It just seems, I don't know. I don't know. It seems like some kind of shame or something. I I, I can't really articulate I mean, why it would bother me. Some like people I might
1: hiding it, you know? Some people might for specific reasons, like a Tony Stark might hide his soul mark oh, because yeah. he wouldn't want to be. But see, if you're if you're dealing with we talked on another podcast about the whole trope about soul marks visible from from birth, like you're born with your mark. We talked about like that could be like the earliest version of the Pony Express was about somebody traveling around with a sketches Mm -hmm. of people's soul marks trying to do soul mark matching for people and then you know the most common instead of having dating sites you've got soul mark matching sites and that kind of thing so um anyway um but i'm more of the more likely to write that you know when some specific set of events have occurred that you would get your mark Um, and I don't, I don't usually do, I do it usually, I'm more inclined in my world building to write that it happens at first touch, but I prefer to kind of do like this alert system, like where you feel the presence of your soulmate when you're close enough to them. And so you kind of start looking for them and then people can choose to touch and kind of get the mark if they want to. But the reason is because I find the idea of just, I think in a world where you, you got your soul mark from touch is people be touching each other constantly and that idea freaks me out so i had to tweak my own world building so that i wasn't writing a world where every time you walked into a starbucks you were shaking hands with 50 people like oh no i've, I've shaken the barista sam before
0: i don't have to shake their hand again i would actually probably want to write it where it would be taboo to touch somebody without permission it would just be socially and morally unacceptable to touch somebody without permission but um just, but that but, but if it's just that'd be a hard sell in a world
1: that that was based on touch to get your soul mark um because a lot of people would be eager for touch and maybe people there'd be a lot of offers of handshakes maybe and people could deny it but i don't know it just, it creates this awkwardness that i wouldn't want to do de- i don't want to deal with so i i i would change the world building slightly so i didn't have to deal with it
0: I mean, I I imagine over time society would develop like, like cues. Like if you, like if you wear gloves, you're not seeking your soulmate. You don't wish to be touched. Is that kind of thing?
1: Yeah. There probably would be like visual indicators to let people know, don't touch me.
0: But I can see somebody, I can see somebody turning that into a serious and horrific consent issue. Because people, people can't be trusted.
1: I mean, I read a story, um, once with somebody, it was a soulmate story where, um, where, you know, there was celebrity and people were constantly like pulling it at his clothes, trying to get to expose where his soul mark was so they could get a picture of it. Because um, it, it, it could be anywhere on the body, right? Um, and then once it got exposed, people were trying to fake it. And, um, and the thing is, I felt like it was, it was,
0: um, I felt like it was realistic
1: the way that was depicted, but it still made me deeply uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, realist, a realistic consequence, but gross. Well,
1: it's a pretty common soulmate trope of people kind of, you know, going bonkers about celebrities like that. Um, I've actually read it more than once. But... Well, what? Yeah, I... <laughs> I, I, I Well, I talked on another podcast about I had done some world building around a story that had um, instead of that you had compatibility marks rather than soul marks and you could only form soul bonds with somebody. This is when I talked about um, that you get a boost from soul bond. Like, why would anybody soul bond? So people seek soul bonds, but you have to um, you can only create a soul bond with somebody who has a mark with the same number of points that your mark has. I don't know if you remember that. Like if you have a three point mark. I do. Yeah. So if you have if you have a three-point mark, you can bond with somebody else who has a three-point mark. It doesn't matter how what the exact shape or design of the mark is. It's like as if there are three fixed points in the mark on the mark, then you have compatible. And there were some people who were thought to not have marks, but it turns out they did. They just only had one point. So, so it looked invisible, it looked like it wasn't there. But anyway, um the only people who could bond with anybody were people who had a circle mark and ENSO. Was this whole I did like this whole complicated world building around um, compatibility marks rather than to create a soul bond
0: rather than um, people can get creepy with any trope. Let's put that out there. There is not a single trope in fandom where somebody hasn't twisted it into something creepy and fucked up.
1: I'm not sure what was creepy about what I just said though.
0: No, no, but she was just saying that people get creepy with soulmate tropes. They get creepy with everything. They get creepy with curtain yeah, they- Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> People will take anything and take it to a creepy place. But, I mean, because I had to figure, like, if you had... It- if, if it wasn't about like, cause I, I, I was thinking about that idea in regards to what if it wasn't one person for you, but what if it was more about the creating a soul bond? And then I was like, well, why would somebody want a soul bond? And I'm like, okay, well, this is where the world building, you starting to answer questions. Like, well, what if people who are soul bonded get benefits? Like they're a little bit smarter, a little bit faster. They're just better at whatever they're naturally inclined to whatever their, their natural talents are. They become better at them. Um, so it could be a real boost for somebody. If, you know, if you're already an exceptional concert pianist, you could become the best in the world. If you're soul bonded, you might be really motivated to try to find somebody you liked. And that's when I kind of was working on the whole idea of compatibility marks.
0: I like the idea of compatibility being the, (laughs) 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 being the factor and because Honestly, the worst thing you can do for yourself emotionally is involve yourself in a romantic relationship with somebody with whom you are deeply incompatible.
1: So people would date, but they would date within their compatibility, right? They would go, Oh, oh, I've got a I've got a five point mark. Well, we could bang but i
0: (laughs) we can fuck but um don't get it mixed up
1: (laughs) if you want to have some stress relief i'm all in but i've got a three-point mark and you got a five-point market man that thing is complicated you
0: must be really high maintenance (laughs) that is a really complicated but you can can give me some that's fine. your
1: soul mark is super complicated i don't even know what to make of that The guy's defensive. Uh, This is not an inner reflection of myself. It's just yes. Actually, actually, it is. You didn't know that? It literally is. (laughs) It is. It's your. It's this. A reflection of your soul. I knew somebody once who had a nine point soul mark. No, shut up. That doesn't exist. I thought that was an urban legend.
0: (laughs) They see you say shut up, but I'd be like, were they good in bed? (laughs) It's like there's like some kind of urban legend going around about the more points you have, the better you are in bed. You know, like big feet. Right, <laughs> I think there's so, always room to interpret any trope in a v- deeply abusive and selfish way. It really depends on you as the writer to decide what you want to do with the trope and what you're willing to write and explore, and also apparently what you're prepared to get in your email. <laughs> that that too,
1: because um, it's it's up to. I mean, if you shouldn't let some someone's creepy interpretation of something um, necessarily puts you off of it because just because one person interpreted it in creepily doesn't mean that you know, that they aren't um, sorry, I just got
0: something that kind of flustered me um, sometimes you encounter a writer that does something and you're like Whoa. and then you try to put a whole trope aside and when you do that, you're missing an opportunity to have Will digress <laughs> I'm just kidding just kidding <laughs> But husband said right? to me the other day, he said, "But I digress," and I busted out laughing. I was like, "You were," but also, "Oh my god!"
1: Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to be able to take that that seriously again, ever. No, and the thing is, I I actually said it in a conversation with somebody a while back where I said, "Oh, but I digress," and then I caught myself and I started. I was amused at my own silliness because there's
0: nothing wrong with that phrase, but
1: I just can't take it seriously anymore.
0: Oh, Ellie, uh, without revealing what you said for the podcast in case you don't want that revealed on the podcast what you could have happen is, is he does have the ability to do that until he actually meets his soulmate and it settles and then he can't ever change it again kind of like you know demons and um in oh you mean how demons materials, are in, how they don't how settle they, when you're young yeah and how they flip and the adventure they do settle into one form so maybe he has that ability maybe several people do and then when they find their soulmate they lose the ability to do that And that's a way of making sure that, you know, eventually he might try to change it and realize that he can't. And that way he would know for certain that he's made the, 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 that he hasn't created something out of wishful thinking, so to speak.
1: Susan, I don't even know what to make of that.
0: The soulmate goose of
1: enforcement. (laughs) A soulmate AU where one person finds a goose who leads them to another person. The difficulty comes in not being mauled by a goose
0: and goose are horrible they are you don't want to be near a goose no and i have a theory yeah i got it from a meme and i like 100 percent i'm behind this 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 meme where geese are mean because canadians get together every year and push all their negativity into them (laughs) in a ritual (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, it's a magical countrywide ritual. With, that's how they stay so nice. It's because they're they're making it be right. all about the geese. <laughs>
0: they're putting all that negative stuff in the geese.
1: <laughs> the soulmate goose of enforcement.
0: I just you know, honestly, if I encountered the soulmate goose of enforcement, I would do what the goose the uh, um the, the the goose wanted because they're vicious.
1: <laughs> so there's a Star Wars. One, there's a uh, X Men. There's Descendants. There's, there's some fandoms I don't recognize. Final Fantasy, Naruto, more Star Wars, Sherlock, MCU. Check, please. <sighs> Does it have to be a goose? <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the trope, but I, I, I feel like I needed like a an ocelot or a little cheetah or something.
0: I'm trying to figure out if a little cheetah would be worse or better than a goose.
1: Swans are not nice either.
0: <laughs> uh, you see how she's picked a cheetah over a goose? Like a cheetah would be better? A little. You cheetah can't even outrun be. a cheetah. <laughs> <laughs> but cheetahs are... <laughs> They're cute. <laughs> but a cheetah will eat you. Well,
1: a goose might too. <laughs> I feel the need to explain why it needs to be a cheetah. I mean, it might maul you, but would you care?
0: <laughs>
1: it is cute. It it's can be a, a soulmate tough. panda. A soulmate panda. The soulmate panda of laziness?
0: Yeah. Well, because then that way, if a, soul- if, a, if a panda comes to you, they're serious, they mean business. <laughs> They're taking time out of their eating schedule to meet to make you meet your soulmate. <laughs> you can take that shit seriously.
1: <laughs> I feel like that cheetah's looking at that dog like, ooh, snack. Um
0: maybe I'm, I, I love a fluffy puppy. Isn't that the cutest thing? It is cute, but I still
1: feel like that cheetah's looking at that puppy like it's a snack. Yeah. You're you could have you, you could have your spirit animal show up at time in your life. Um,
0: One of the most interesting things I ever saw you write um it really kind of just kind of blew my mind was when you did the thing where Tony had to accept the the um the uh spirit animal to become a guide. Oh in Primus. Yeah. I was like girl look what you did and it like it merged with him and he became a guide. I was like what? But that would be really interesting if you're if if, if you did have a spirit animal and maybe your spirit animals matched. And you would meet your spirit animal when you were um, close to meeting your soulmate, that your spirit animal would start, you know, being with you. They would appear. That'd be cool.
1: That'd be very cool, actually. I had never considered, like, combining soulmates with soul animals. Um, I think that that's an interesting concept. Uh, And who knew that it was the soulmate goose of enforcement that was going to take us down that path?
0: I mean, I don't think anybody knew because Soulmate Goose of Enforcement, I didn't even know it was a thing. But now I'm really amused and kind of want to read one, but also not because geese are scary.
1: Oh, there's a Harry Potter one. It's Harry Draco. It's 7,700 words. (laughs) I always find it. So when somebody says eventual happy ending, I'm expecting, I expect that tag on something that's like, 300k. It's like if you're, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work for this. Um, just happy ending is fine on anything under 50k. I get it. You know, you don't need to tell me on something that's 8k that it's eventual happy ending. I mean, I'm not.
0: Although I'd be mad if I didn't get my happy ending until like the last 100 words.
1: Well, people do that all the time anyway. When they don't warn you for eventual happy ending,
0: I know. I know it
1: is. People tell you it's a slow burn, and you look at the word count, and it's five or 10k, and you're like. I don't think you know what a slow burn is. Just
0: I don't think anything that's... under twenty k should be be allowed to have the title of slow burn, and even twenty k suspect. Very suspect, <laughs>
1: like, like that unless tiny you fire. Got, like,
0: <laughs> unless you've got like five time skips, <laughs> like five thousand words for every ten years they spent together. <laughs> well, then I guess it's a slow
1: burn for them, but it's not really. I mean, by that by that measure. Any story that Buck and Eddie are getting together in season four is a slow burn. Because right. Because they've known each other for two and a half years, right? But I, I always count slow burn as the time on screen that they Like have not how long does
0: it take me to get to and let me
1: tell you, I I have been I've been following a story for years where there's several million words in and those characters are still not together again. Still not together. They've admitted 7 million words. They've admitted that they love one another, but they just can't be together. What? Oh yeah, yeah. It's fucked
0: up. And don't do me this way. I just, I, I, I have a tender heart. I, I can't be done this way.
1: <laughs> Actually, the thing is, I stopped reading like I don't know seven or eight hundred thousand words in. Now I'm gonna wait to see how long it takes to get to get to get there. And I just don't periodically would go and see, are they together yet? Are they together yet? The a new chapter posts. are, are they, No, no, no. I'm like, they're not, you just can set them free. They're not meant to be together. They are binary stars. They are never going to touch.
0: That's horrible. That hurts my feelings, Donnie. You know what the pairing is.
1: The slow burn <laughs> isn't even, the slow burn isn't even, isn't even for the characters. It's for the fucking audience at this point.
0: <laughs> Stop cock teasing me, Satan. <laughs> I meant the general Satan, not the the author. (laughs) Not the specific author. Although she did torture me.
1: (laughs) Did you read the one with the impalement?
0: Yes. That one made me cry. I have never, rarely ever seen an author who named themselves so well as soft underscore Satan. She made me cry as much as the show did. And I cried for two days. Ugly cried for two days. Binge watching two and a half seasons of that show. She's one the
1: one she's who wrote the story where Christopher sees the dead people, right?
0: Yeah, I didn't I yeah. I, I, I couldn't read that
1: one. Dude, dude. Ugh. She's an evil sadist. She's masterful about her it. evil e- her evil sadism, but definitely evil sadist.
0: I couldn't go there.
1: And you go check the actual word count on this story, I want to miss I don't want to mislead about how many millions of words we are in this. <laughs>
0: I do feel like sometimes the concept of soulmates is kind of overused and sometimes it's used in a way that I've seen sometimes it used in fandom in such a way that it looks just downright abusive. Oh, well, you have to tolerate this behavior because they're your soulmate.
1: Yeah, I actually I actually think that there would be um, instances where um, things don't work out because sometimes people are going to be dicks.
0: Because what if that asshole was her soulmate? Maddie's husband. That's a terrible thought. I mean, what happens if you have to kill your own soulmate to defend yourself? Oh, well. That really wasn't the answer to that question I was looking for, but okay.
1: (laughs) Sorry. She just sent me a link that says, This sea slug can chop its head off and grow an entire new body twice. I was like, Mom. (sighs) And with pictures. An entire new
0: body twice. Twice.
1: Twice. Well, like my, just, grab, just, just tear my mother away from the internet.
0: Twice. Well, you know what? My mom's apparently watching. Um, <laughs> Someone said in the chat room that Doug is a problem with predestined soulmates. Um, Doug is a problem unless they never got married. Just like Michael was a problem unless they never got married. Or they decided to have kids together because they were compatible and either one had met their soulmate. Um, and, um then one day one of them meets their soulmate and they're like okay you know I, I i met my soulmate and they knew this shit was coming and they and they have a plan for it and everything's fine um and doug either could be i mean you could write it that they didn't get married and she never had a relationship with him at all because he obviously was not her soulmate you can write it that he was her soulmate but they had a corrupted bond and she and when she killed him she was freed from him um and in your world building you could include that um you could form a another soulmate bond that you could have more than one um you could have it that they were in a relationship and maybe even got married on the caveat if one of them ever met their soulmate that things might have to change
1: yeah you just got to figure out what the what the what the <sighs> The implications are of your world building. Um, how how do these kinds of things get resolved? How to how does marriage get handled? If I mean, you could write it that people meet their soulmates all the time, and so nobody gets married who um, hasn't met their soulmate. But then you do have to deal with, well, what do you do with situations if you're in a canon like Doug and Maddie or a situation like Athena and Michael? Or you could write it that it's a little harder to meet your soulmate. It's not the easiest thing in the world. And people do maybe do domestic partnerships in the interim. And sometimes they have care parent you know could have kids and maybe it's understood that a person that a relationship might break up over a soul bond Um, or it might not some people might choose hey look I'm happy my marriage and I I just don't actually know if I want to give that up because of you you know so I mean it doesn't have to be all or nothing
0: so someone in the chat asked but what if your soulmate dies and you meet a new soulmate then go back in time to where their first was alive well you're creating a problem. And the first rule of creating a problem in your plot is do not create and insert a problem into your plot if you don't have a solution. Now, it could be that when your character time travels, the the bond they have with their future soulmate is broken and no longer applies because their future soulmate won't remember them unless they've traveled with them. And if they have traveled with them, then their soulmate bond would take precedence over anything else. And the previous soulmate bond would not apply insert some angst but don't create a problem until you have a solution because if you do create a problem without a solution you are riding yourself or plotting yourself into a hole or a corner with spikes you know like indiana jones and shit you don't want to be indiana jones and shit (laughs) with a trap you can't get out of exactly so just be
1: kind to yourself I mean, unless you want that complication for some reason.
0: But even if you do want that complication, you need to know how you're going to resolve it.
1: And I do find people often will give themselves complications that they have no clue how they're planning to resolve. Okay. Well, we'll just have to... Oh, because of the
0: time travel. Well, the obvious answer is that you don't have a second soulmate. Maybe they have a relationship with somebody in the future um, that they value as they learn from and they grow from and they change and it, it gives them some peace or um, contentment while they have it. And then when they go back in time, that relationship has to be let go. Because giving them a relationship in the future doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be a soulmate connection. Or even a sexually intimate connection or a romantic connection. It can be just a deep supportive friendship. I read this thing once where it said you have multiple kinds of soulmates, like you have romantic soulmates and friend soulmates.
1: I um I wrote something similar in one of my stories, uh, not one you've read though. Well, <laughs> <sighs> it violates your OTP.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't want to read it. I kind of want to read it. What is it?
1: <laughs> it's the the hospitality of hobbits.
0: Oh, oh, that does violate my OTP. I I know. <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> but, you know, like, so you could write, like, you, your character is living in this future where he has a soulmate that's a friend. Who's, you know, has this deep and abiding and trusting friendship with this person. And you can keep that friendship when he travels back in time. <laughs> Look at Bri all ge- um, geared up with a link. Uh but yeah so just figure out how you're going to fix it or how you're going to resolve it and be happy with the consequences before you commit to writing it um i think we've pretty much kind of exhausted this topic it was a little topic i just kind of wanted to touch base on it and um just kind of give ourselves some perspective on how um how how that can go and what it means um when you're exploring a trope like this, and how sometimes it's really easy to, what's that term, when you flip a trope, when you, when you like subvert? Yes. So subverting a trope doesn't have to be a negative experience. That's what I would say. It'd be a very interesting experience. I just now noticed that Chad's not in the chat room. Yeah, he didn't respond. Chad not oh, up.
1: Only G.R. came to the party.
0: Well, clearly, G.R. is much nicer to us than Chad.
1: Georca is apparently much more stable and they say it's because he's in France, which I like, I they, they say it like it's obvious that that's why.
0: <laughs> <laughs> apparently everything is better in France. Apparently it's bigger in Texas. <laughs> and I I swear I've not actually started reading uh 911 Lone Star. And I've not cause I've not watched the show yet, but if there isn't at least one reference to everything's bigger in Texas in relation to somebody's dick I'm gonna be mad. Okay, meaning
1: can- mean in canon.
0: I mean in fandom. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Try, <laughs> uh, <laughs> try. <laughs> I actually take Rex from Jilly before I take them from anybody else. Jilly and Lady Holder and As because they understand and know um, my personal issues and triggers better than anybody else.
1: The issue is that I wouldn't have wrecked her anything from Lone Star, which is what got Bri all bent. Because <laughs> I was like, nope, nope, it's all. Mm-mm, mm-mm. It was all, everything I'd read was like a big nope. <laughs> so you've upset quite a few people. <laughs> well, I read a bunch of, well, I, but the sad thing is, I wouldn't have given anybody any wrecks because I would have been,
0: I was all, man, this is, this is not good. I mean, Someone told me that nine one one Lone Star wouldn't be nearly as upsetting as nine one one, and I really did an ugly cry through two season, two and a half seasons of nine one one. So, I if it's actually going to be worse, no, I don't think it would be.
1: Okay, I think it's actually much lighter um, than than nine one one Canon. So, do you think? Oh, yeah. the The solar storm. Although I have to admit, the solar storm was was a brutal episode, despite the fact that I was struggling with my my suspension of disbelief through most of it um but the whole when they were talking about what caused the solar storm was the coronal mass emissions i was like there is a stargate fan writing on this show um and i just could not stop laughing (laughs) but other than that one episode i think that's the only one that just really knocked me for a loop oh yeah that that episode i cried like multiple times in that episode it was it was that's one episode. Not not the whole
0: fucking season. But, yeah, but nine one 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 made me cry pretty much almost every episode. I mean, I, I had to take a break from my own mental health. Do you think that the fandom for Lone Star is more angsty because the show isn't? <laughs> it's just trying to... <laughs> um... <laughs>
1: no not really. I don't, I'm not that, not that I've observed but I think some people have read in it more than I have. Um, I will say Lone Star actually goes towards even shorter stories than the 911 Really I didn't think that that was a possible the norm that this the standard could be
0: shorter than the 911 standard but it is. Um, I don't mind angst. I like um a story that's emotionally cathartic. I like um characters who have to work their happy ending and to be um but I, I just I I have some specific things that I need to be warned of in advance and so that's why I don't take Rex from Pride for most people. So um but um I want to thank you guys for joining us for this podcast and we're gonna end the recording here. Um and um unless you had anything you wanted to add to the topic Julie. No I'm good. Okay. We're going to leave it here. I'm gonna I'm gonna kick G out. Um thank you for attending our party, G When Chad didn't show up. We appreciate you even if you are French. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Say goodnight, Jilly.
1: Good night, everyone.